The Indie Council is in session. Welcome. This is a place for the leading voices from across the industry to gather, to talk news, titles, and everything indie. I'm your master of ceremonies, Jill Grote, the Indie Informer. And joining the council today are creative director of 6-1 Indie and contender on PAX West's live game trivia panel, Mike Toundrow. I can't wait to fight people live on stage with trivia. <laughs> oh, I thought it was going to be like a normal trivia thing, but you actually just use the trivia to murder people. Yeah, you know, like Jacob McCourt, um, host of Video Game Trivia, he usually brings out whiteboards. I'm going to smash faces with those. Okay, nice. I'm very yeah. excited to see this now. Everyone make sure that, that you keep an eye on that. Uh, also, we have the head of Pendapixels and shoulders and knees and toes of MinMax, kind of funny, <laughs> Janet Garcia. Hello. I enjoy these little blurbs. They're a little different every time. Like I do. It. I try to make mm-hmm. them like slightly different so people have a reason to listen to it, but I totally messed up the joke. It's a head, shoulders, knees, and toes joke, everybody. I'm glad that everyone it. who came with me came with me. And if they, if they didn't, thank mm-hmm. you. I'm always with you. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of scary. It's a How little concerning, doing, really. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Janet, who has head, shoulders, knees, and toes. Uh, and then making Geeks and Ground, Soft Not Week, Kepler Interactive, and Wholesome Games so much better for having been involved, Jenny Windham. Hi, Jenny. How are Hello. you? <laughs> you look lovely today. Thank you. Wow. Well, I appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, and we have a – last week was fantastic for indie teases. This week is wild with indie delays. So – I want to jump into the news, and we have way more news than I thought we were even going to. Even like going into this morning, I was like, oh, yeah, we've got a good pile of news here. And then more just crashed down on us. So let's go ahead and jump into that. I'm starting with the Devolver Delayed Showcase, because not only was it fantastic, uh, but I'm going to blame Devolver for everything that happened this week. <laughs> it's about time someone held them accountable. Yeah, 100%. It was all Nina Struthers, all her fault. Yeah. I, I, I literally don't see any other <laughs> any other reason uh, for what has happened. So in case uh, no, uh, you didn't see this going on, I'm sure everyone on the panel did and everybody who's listening who's interested in indie saw, Devolver Digital announced they were going to have a direct but to celebrate delayed games <laughs> which is a absolutely genius idea um the showcase itself i'm sure everybody here who has you know who talks about indies has probably already talked about the games and and what's been delayed and what's not being delayed and why and blah 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 so i'm going to skip past all of that And just talk about the showcase itself. Uh, I already spoiled it by saying I loved it. But uh, Janet, what do you think? I loved it as well. I think, you know, we kind of touched on this a bit with um, talking about social media and the tone. And one of the things that I highlighted was breaking the news of delays and letting that be a little bit more lighthearted since like... Where you know the song and dance of like, yeah, you screenshot the text and everyone says, take your time. And then some people don't and they throw things at you. And that's just how it goes. This was a fresh take on that. I think it's also just really fun to see people within the industry kind of, well, a light poke fun, but also like pay homage to the Nintendo Direct format. I mean, we've seen that in the industry more from the media side of people kind of 
making their version of that. And that's kind of the gold standard of when we think little showcase, we think Nintendo Direct. So they had fun with it. I think it was just a brilliant, playful way to gather all of that news and make it make sense for everybody. Like it was a fun context. It was informative. It highlighted the non-delayed things too. So you had a nice mix of stuff. I would love for this to be a recurring thing. I think everyone should have this. It's like, hey, let's just put it all here. We know what this is. It's what's going to get delayed. And that's it. Oh, Mm -hmm. if there was some sort of like E3 moment of just like, here are all our delayed (laughs) games. Delayed three. I'll workshop that later. Don't worry about it. Delayed (laughs) three. Yeah, that would be great. I love this showcase. I know Mike not so subtly wants me to talk about the games because he just posted all of the games, which I have up. Just a reminder. I already have them up, Mike. Do Do you you want to? Do you want to very quickly say what's on the list? Uh, Sure. This was not my intention. This is just (laughs) supposed to be a fun little reminder for people to be nice. But thank you. Jill, uh, still you. in <laughs> love you too. Still <laughs> in 2023, Talos Principle Two, Gunbrella, Karma Zoo, Wizard with the Gun, and the Cosmic Wheel Sisterhood. Moving to 2024, Pepper Grinder, Angerfoot, which I was very surprised about, Plucky Squire, Stick It to the Stickman, and Skate Story. I thought Angerfoot was going to be a stealth drop at some point this summer because mm. it felt like that was. I I played it at last PAX East. Yes. Yeah. It felt good. It, it, yeah. I don't know. It just, it's been in development forever. Um, I know that studio is very busy and they seem to put out a new game every few months. I know they just put out uh, the Broforce DLC. So maybe mm-hmm. Broforce took a little bit of a priority. Um, but yeah, just to talk about the showcase itself. I loved it. Um, I love how Nintendo it is. Uh, they did the, they did the Nintendo Direct thing back like- in 2020, maybe 2021. It was like that was the that was the direct that had uh, Phil Spencer talking to um, Carry On Monster. Oh yeah, fantastic <laughs> little bit. Uh huh. Um, but yeah, no, I I'm grateful that a lot of these heavy hitter developer games are moving out of the year just to give them some more breathing room. Like especially something like Skate Story. Um, Skate Story, I think a lot of people are sleeping on. Sam Eng is a, a an incredible uh, developer. I. His first game, Zarvat, is a, it's a an emotional narrative game about uh, cubes or squares. Really great. Highly recommend it. But Skate Story, I got to play, I think, 2019, 2020, because he's uh, part of uh, G- the Gumbo Collective down in Brooklyn. Um, and we were talking about like a lot of the narrative beats of Skate Story. And something they haven't talked about yet is that it it's an adaptation of the story of Orpheus. And it's about this skater skating down to the depths of hell to retrieve his loved, his lost loved one. I think that sound, sounds so fucking incredible tied with the aesthetic and just the gnarly uh, EA skate inspired mechanics. So yeah, I think a lot of people, there are people excited about it obviously, but um, I'm excited to start seeing more of it and people really starting to uh, see what I got to play years ago. Um, Because I think that's going to be the sleeper hit for them this year. And obviously not to discredit things like Pepper Grinder and Plucky Squire and Stick It to the Sick Man, all killer titles as well. But yeah. Anyways, TL Don't Read, great. Yeah, I'm not terribly surprised with any of the games that got pushed back. And I'm overjoyed with the a lot of them that got to stay in this year. Um I'm, I mean, it is so Nintendo, Mike, like it's great. It is. It, it's only about three minutes long and oh, the pacing is, is really fun. It just goes 
go, 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 go. About half of the presentation is, like Janet was saying, games that are not delayed. So they're just promoting their stuff at that point. And I'm like, what a genius idea to like have this moment to get everybody excited because everybody wants to tune in for the delay announcements, you know, like, what's it going to be? Is it going to be my favorite? Is it not? Am I going to be okay? Uh, And then to have just like, and while you're here, make sure everybody checks this out. But it's just like, I, I mean, Nintendo known for being litigious, (laughs) the amount of you could look at this and say like this is a Nintendo Direct if you didn't know better because they've got the voices like that tone of voice like hi everyone today we're talking it's like it's so Nintendo Direct and the the way that I mean Devolver is always genius about the tone of their things and the way that they use that tone of voice to lean into like the surprise when one of them curses or like insinuates the other one's getting fired or like playing along with like, this is all fake. (laughs) Like, you know, that sort of idea. Uh, So if you haven't seen the showcase itself, it's just great. I love that they did this. I hate that. I feel the whole rest of the week got to like jumped on this trend. (laughs) Yes. It was a curse. Jenny, Um Oh, go ahead. Sorry, Mike. real quick before I lose this thought. Um, you talked about like it was an opportunity to promote the games that are still launching in 2023. I'm glad they did that because I feel like Cosmic Wheel and Karma Zoo did not really get a lot of promo this yeah. year. Like like quick little tweets or whatever, but nothing like a show. So it was cool to see those shout outs. hundred percent. I'm excited for those to come up too. So Jenny, how are you feeling? Yeah, I I loved it. I think what's great is Devolver note, like you said, they know their tone, they know their audience. Um, I have really enjoyed the way Devolver's tone has evolved since like the very first Devolver like showcases. Mm -hmm. I think the first maybe one or two were just on that line where I was like, this is brilliant, but this is almost a a little too close to the edge for me personally. Um, And they found a lot of really interesting ways to stay with that sense of humor, but almost like soften it up and become a little bit more accessible to more people. And I think this is a great example of how they are balancing that line of satire and memory, but also like making sure not to alienate people maybe with like really more edgy humor. And so I think they're doing a really great job. Um, I think the only thing to add, because you all pretty much said what I was thinking, is what I really was excited about was the community reception. Um, I was very curious when I heard they were doing this showcase, like, what is their community going to say? Like, because they're being so transparent and so forward with like, this is what's delayed and this is what's still coming. Here you go. And what was really cool is if you actually go into the comments on YouTube, folks are super supportive. They're saying, hey, we are sad or frustrated things are delayed, but we totally understand. And we just want the games to be good and the devs to be like happy and healthy. And that was especially as former community person, like that was so exciting and heartening to read because, um, you know, in a different time, this could have gone a very different way. And so I Mm -hmm. think this was also a perfect time for an event like this and for this kind of messaging to be had. So really great job. 100%. And we're going to dig into that idea a little bit later Mm -hmm. on the show. But before we do, curses. Let's talk about curses. I was so shocked uh, about the WrestleQuest delay. Uh, And for a lot of reasons, Uh, games get delayed. It happens. But 
the the delay announcement happened at almost 6 p.m. the day embargo lifted. So embargo lifted that morning. We had I'm I I want to talk to Janet about this because um there was a great kind of funny promotion yes. stream. <laughs> they did the launch stream of this game that did not launch. Yes. And the game wild. didn't launch. And the whole time I had to go back through and double check because I'm like, did they know about this? I was ca- like texting all of my like behind the scenes friends and being like, did you guys know about this? And most of them were like, wait, what? Because <laughs> like the embargo had lifted. So people had reviews out. People had like impressions and had gotten the game and people were ready to play this game and literally 11th hour like this stuff just doesn't happen i'm i'm sort of shocked because it's like if you're gonna delay your game typically i i feel the team would know that you're in sort of a rocky area and that might be a thing but for it to be legitimately it seems like the team came together in the evening and said, Hey, I think we have to delay this. <laughs> so Janet, how did your uh, day go that day for the announcement? When did you find out? I, I found out actually through, I was on TikTok, and, um, you know, Greg is very much in that like memory vibe. Like he makes a lot of like I wouldn't say off color jokes. That sounds a little more dramatic, but he'll go for like the gusto, right? Like he'll Uh say something like he's like a shit talker. Right. And he can do that in a way that very few can. And obviously we can talk about, you know, the, the history, the being in the industry for a certain amount of time. You know, he is like a white dude in the space as well, who has like a lot of built a lot of acclaim with the brand. But so he's kind of established that tone for himself and his community. Like he can do it because he's kind of set up that he can do that. So Mm -hmm. he, joked about like when he got like hit in the head with a chair or whatever and he's like this is karma you know and again people that know him and i'm sure like with the team like they know he's just hamming it up and joking but that's how i found out it was delayed he's like and look karma your game got delayed like 12 hours later and then i was like oh man the game got delayed (laughs) then i start looking too um on you know a selfish tip well one i was looking forward to wrestle quest genuinely but two i i drafted in one of my fantasy leagues so i'm like holly's reviews looking (laughs) and the reviews are like barely scraping above 70 and it's like mm. and it's like obviously more reviews will come out as time goes on but i'm like interest like i'm a little surprised by i'm just surprised by all of it right the reception yeah. being a little bit more lukewarm than i expected and i know of course people will say oh it's you know 70s technically good right but like there's a lot of you know GameSpot gave this game a four out of ten i'm like what is with this game what happened and is that is that part of what's going on with this delay? Like, I, I didn't really get a lot of information. I don't know if they have it out there already on what happened, why it's happening. But right. it just it's it's genuinely so shocking and and kind of unprecedented and odd and unfortunate, yeah. you know. But that's how I got the news. So it's a very informal <laughs> news scoop of like Greg right. memeing it up with facts. Also, though, it, it reminds me of when I learned about like. Trump's all this prison drama and law drama through like the, the SpongeBob news fish on TikTok. Oh, I yeah. love that guy. Yeah, oh, and yeah. I'm like, why do I get my hard hitting news from a, a fish from a cartoon I watched when I was ten years old? Anyway, the internet's a weird time. That's how I find out found out. But what yeah. about everybody else? How did this? When did this news hit you? And have you seen anything like this? 
Yeah, keep a pin in that for just one second. I do want to address one of the questions that you had because Skybound Games, WrestleQuest's publisher did put out a statement that had Megacat Studios on it as well, and it reads thusly. Megacat Studios and Skybound Games announced today that WrestleQuest will now be launching August 22nd across all platforms. When performing final checks on one of our launch platforms, we discovered it was possible for players to lose their save game progress when playing WrestleQuest on multiple different devices. Because this is a game filled with hours of content and player progress is so important, we could never body slam our fans like that. So that is their... uh, justification explanation for why the game got last delayed i did while speaking you know behind the scenes with people i did hear a lot of uh technical difficulties and things progress situations where they had lost progress um but again very strange for me that's very strange for the developer for the publisher for the people who are making this game they knew that like that's not uh, that's not a surprise you know so if it is a surprise that's a whole nother discussion to be having too um jenny you're in the you're in the behind the scenes not for this game but like in general you know what what usually goes on in the brains behind the scenes what's what's going on here in your opinion yeah honestly i was also very surprised to see this because i mean at this point you would assume that like QA had been done, you know, all of this, all of those checks had been gone through. And so it probably like, I'm, I'm really curious if it was a culmination of a lot of different things and this was one of them and they at the last minute had to change their minds and sort of pull back or if they truly did discover like the night before, oh my God, this like major bug or error got through and we just did not catch it for some reason. Cause I, I personally have never seen this, um, I mean, I've been in the industry for like five, six years ish, um, and I have I've never seen something like this. So I really hope that like the team's holding up okay. Because mostly yeah. when I read this, I was like, oh my god, I would hate to like have to deal with all of that being on the team. Because um, that just you never want your launch to like go off with any sort of hitch. And this is like probably one of the biggest ones I can think of is just not launching on the day that you anticipated that happening. So yeah, yeah I'm very curious to to see how it plays when it does actually come out. And yeah, I mean, that, that again, that is a brilliant sort of look into things because the the post I just read was posted to social media, but that social media post and the press release that I got went out at the exact same time. So they were dealing with this all very last minute, very mm-hmm. rushed. Uh, so like, that was my only response is like, I'm, I hope the team's doing okay. Um, Mike, how are you feeling about all of this? Uh, where were you to go back to Janet's question? Where were you when you heard the news? (laughs) Was it so dramatic? (laughs) (laughs) I'll never forget. It was a cold August afternoon. (laughs) I was going to say, it's like, like, please let me trade with you. (laughs) It's like when I get asked where I was during nine 11. Um, Yeah, no, I saw this pop up on Twitter because I think either Wario64 or or Noble uh, retweeted it. I was very surprised because, yeah, it was literally six hours before launch, something like that. Um, I guess first and foremost, it's like, yeah, I mean, kudos to the devs for pulling the plug. You you never want to launch an experience like that and and risk people 
having a shitty first impression of your game. Like I I've been in the situation where, um, a very similar situation where, you know, I, I would suggest delaying last minute or, or making some sort of call and, uh, I would get ignored and things would launch. Um, so I think this is the right call cause it would just be an uphill battle. I think also like, secretly might be a blessing in disguise because everybody and their mother are playing Baldur's Gate right now. It's all Baldur's Gate. No matter what, it's going to have such a long tail. Uh, so it just kind of like gives a few weeks for that tail to die down a little bit and give some folks some breathing room to actually give another game a shot. Uh, granted, now August 22nd is in between Liza P and Armored Core. So we'll see what the conversation is like in a few weeks. Um, as far as like initial reception, goes though like i'm not super surprised about the sevens i'm honestly well i'm, I'm surprised it did hit a seven <laughs> so kyle stevenson uh co-founder of six one indie he is the target audience he loves turn-based rpgs he is a major like wrestling fan and he was so excited to play this game at pax two years ago i think and the disappointment of walking out of that appointment I didn't mean to say that. I didn't mean that alliteration, but the disappointment on his face after like being done playing the game, he was like, yeah, man, that was not it. It's a very like bare bones experience. And I really mm. wanted more out of that. Um, and then PAX last year, a lot of like folks in our circle, like had a very similar sentiment uh, coming out of it. So I'm surprised it did hit the sevens. I'm glad people are enjoying it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. More time in the oven is good. And yeah, get away from Baldur's Gate. You know, yeah. you never want to see a indie get inhaled by a, a gargantuan that is now the most critically acclaimed game on Metacritic of the year. Yeah. Beating Zelda. I will um, say though, the, you know, and again, like disclosure, I freelance was kind of funny. I'm on PSI love you. So obviously like I'm associated with that company. I wasn't part of their sponsored stream. Cause I don't, I'm not an employee there. Um, but that I have to imagine is also a big L of spending money on getting this sponsored yeah. slot mm-hmm. to build hype for the game. And then for the game to not come out. So like, the people that you maybe did acquire that like are interested in it from having seen that sponsored stream now have to like remember and wait, you know, it's like more time to decide not to buy the game. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, it's just, it is such a tough spot and it seems like, you know, um, a lot and a lot goes into every game, but definitely a lot of like marketing, a lot of booth space, a lot of time. Like I, you know, I saw, I've played WrestleQuest a couple of times. Like I played it at one, or at least I saw it at one of the PAXs, I like played it at another. They had like a big like photo one at the most recent one. Like they've been pouring into this a lot. So for it to not be able to come to fruition, both from a critical standpoint, but also a technical standpoint and like an awful marriage of the two, it's like, that's a rough spot to be in. So I don't know. I mean, hopefully it, this delay maybe fixes some of those gaps that critics were also experiencing because one of the things that did get knocked for was also like yeah. the progression issues and the bugs. So yeah. maybe at least I don't think I don't think having like a smooth experience will ever elevate a mediocre gameplay experience to like now it's really fun just because it's not you know but like yeah. maybe that'll ease ease things over for people that were maybe like oh I would have liked it if it wasn't for this like maybe it'll mm-hmm. you know be again kind of a blessing in disguise in that sense but yeah tough, I am tough so uh, curious Speaking of what you're saying, Janet, I'm so curious how outlets are going to deal with the new yeah. uh, release date. Like, are you going to go back and like review up, like update your reviews? Are you going to stick with what you have? Are you like, I so, don't know how you manage this. I mean, you said GameSpot gave it a four out of 10. That four out of 10 is going to stay. GameSpot does not oh, yeah. have the bandwidth to go back and re-review a game, especially in the midst of Liza P 
Baldur's yeah. Gate coverage still ends Armored Core in August, not to mention Starfield keys going out any day now. Like they they're not gonna go back. That four is always going to exist uh on Metacritic, and that's a huge bummer. So that's why again, like they must have known before the embargo lifted. Like just to shoot yeah. a quick email. Like, yes, people are gonna still not see that email and, and all that kind of stuff. So it's it's a hard thing. It's easier said than done, but I feel like you could have made that call a little earlier. Yeah. And the thing is, that's what was like, I was go, I was going wild trying to figure out what was happening because it became, I don't know anything. I don't like, I have no knowledge, background knowledge or anything, but it became increasingly clear just by everything that had happened that day that literally the, the, the game makers didn't know they were going to delay it until they delayed it. And so they couldn't have possibly stopped the embargo because they didn't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, like, they again. definitely would. Like, I feel like if they ha- if they had known sooner, or if I guess the decision makers had been able to allow them to make mm-hmm. a call sooner, if that was yes, the case, yeah. like they would have definitely done it. Because I, it, like, from like the marketing standpoint, like it is no one's desire to make an announcement that close to no any way. sort of embargo lift. So, yeah, something definitely happened there and then from that delay i thought was going to be the most wild that i saw this week but then um 30xx was like you know hold my adult beverage of choice um by delaying the switch version of its game the morning of release uh so I have the, there's a whole Twitter thread from the creator of 30XX and 20XX uh, that talks about it's not up because essentially they didn't have enough time to get it through uh, the switches process of okaying it, the certification process. Um, And that's... Again, another thing where I'm like, okay, that's pretty wild because this is not a new developer. This is someone who has had an acclaimed game beforehand. Uh, they partnered with, uh, oh, I can't remember who the developer is. Anybody have that off the top of their head? Uh, the developer is Battery Staple, but I will just use oh, this okay. as an opportunity to say Kowloon Knights provided funding to Battery Staple for <laughs> 30XX. Um, okay, so why isn't it on, on Switch right now? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Jenny, <laughs> Jenny, Jenny. Come on, Jenny. Get it together. Yeah, I feel like we do this every single time and she's going to stop being on our podcast. Oh you guys. I know. Um, um, Jenny, what's Mojikin yeah. up to? Yeah. <laughs> so Jenny, I, you are excused if you don't want to say anything or have any right, comments that too. on Yeah, I think what, what I can <laughs> yeah, say about it, yeah. I guess, <laughs> is... Jill, um, bring it back. <laughs> is that... Um, like, I think for folks who aren't familiar, porting to the Switch is its own whole deal. Like to any console, you have to get dev kits, you have to do special certification processes, rating processes for each one. Um, and just in general, each one has their own timeline for getting back. And right now, like I think with a couple of titles that I've heard, um, it's just been slow going to kind of get through that process at places like Nintendo. So, um, yeah, I don't know if I can, I don't think I can give like specifics on sort of the ins and outs of that from what I know, but, um, it was a matter of just like that process was slower than anticipated. Um, 
which is something that's like really frustrating because it's not necessarily in the control of the developers at a lot of the points, which I think we'll probably talk about more too when we talk about just delays in general in the industry, uh, because a lot of this does tend to be out of the developers' hands um, in more ways than I think audiences realize. Yeah. And this- Oh, to ahead, reinforce Mike. that point a little bit, um, and I think he'll be fine with me saying this, if not Graham, sorry. Um, <laughs> we're currently going through that a little bit with Super Space Club, um, where like, mm-hmm. yeah, cert is hard. It's it's really mm-hmm. hard to port something, especially as a solo developer um, working on their first game. Uh, so that's why we had to push the Xbox release. It's it's tough. It's never an easy call, um, especially mm-hmm. like when you you have the support of like ID and Xbox and stuff like that. It's just it's tough getting things out on other platforms because everybody has different tech specs and and different requirements and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like this one compared to the WrestleQuest news, like this one doesn't shock me as much because I feel like I've heard this story like a lot Mm -hmm. specifically Mm -hmm. with, with switch and with Nintendo pretty much from what I know, which isn't a lot in the behind the scenes like realm, just because I don't really work in that space and people aren't just, you know, people only like spew so many secrets, you know, like, randomly right so but one thing people mention a lot is like yeah the switch stuff it it, all of it's always convoluted but with switch it's always a little bit harder for anything even just like something as common as just getting codes like uh, you know we talked about switch being like the spot for indies and back when that was more true or felt like it was more the case so often it was so hard to like review it for that platform though because they're like well I can get you the game now or I can get you the switch one. Maybe never. We don't know because like it's just distributed differently. Like it, the price, like it costs them to like get it. Like it just isn't, mm-hmm. it's just different. Like I feel like this, anything related to Nintendo when it comes to getting your game on there, when it comes to codes and keys, it's like driving on the other side of the road. It's like, okay, well, I think we kind of know how to do this, but also not, it's not as, you know, frictionless as, you might hope or might be used to. So if anything was going to fall through like a switch eShop thing, yeah, that sounds like that. That's not too surprising for me to hear, even though it is unfortunate. It does sound like from that Twitter thread, even though it's not called that anymore and threads is another platform. And they mentioned like, <laughs> Hey, we thought we really thought we had it. Um, I do respect this person for also like, yes, owning the fact that they're like, Hey, this was our bad. Um, Cause I think that's hard to do when, especially when it does feel like, you did your best effort and like at a certain point it might feel out of your control, but unfortunately the onus has to go on someone. And especially as like a developer or publisher, you probably don't want to say like, man, Nintendo, like drop the ball, right? You got to kind of own it. Um, there's also a cat here now. Yeah, I know. I already made a little meow and me <laughs> and Jenny lost, both made lost. faces. I know we were just like, oh, we he's got so distracted, Janet. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh I love, Janet, by the way, all of what you're saying about Nintendo. Just for anybody listening, I want you to think back to Devolver's choice of making their showcase very Nintendo and think about how that might color the context for why they've done that. Uh, But as already sort of spoiled (laughs) by uh, uh, multiple panelists, I'm going to blame Mike (laughs) the most. Um, Today's I'm currently getting sliced. Be nice to me. <laughs> oh my gosh, that cat's so precious sounding. Ow. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Is anyone else on the cat side or is it just me? I know I'm like yeah. the cat would never. <laughs> it's okay. He's a Yonka street cat. He doesn't have morals. <laughs> He's working for us, Mike. 
I'm working. He doesn't like that you. Okay, (laughs) moving on to topic of the show. (laughs) We're going to be talking about delays. We've had a bunch of news about them. We talked about specifics, but let's go macro on what delays look like in our space. Have that? Have they been changing? We talked a little bit about people positivity with delays and how people are approaching delays. So let's talk a little bit about that. And Mike. Hi. Why don't you hit us up with your thoughts? Uh, well, your first question on here on the docs is why do delays happen? Hey, guess what? Breaking news. Game dev real hard. Yeah. It's real hard to make a video game <laughs> in the year of our Lord 2023. Uh, people, uh, gamers expect the world out of some video games and that just pushes developers to crunch and kill, like just like, just bust ass over uh, developing a video game and people also need lives and mental health is a real goddamn precious thing that you need to maintain. So yeah, game development is real hard and, and it's hard to uh, say a date and try to hit it sometimes. Um, Mm -hmm. And sometimes you have to make the tough call and yeah, especially on the indie side when you are, let's take wrestle quest, for example, like when you say, what was this? It was supposed to be today, right? The ninth or yesterday. It was yesterday. I think. So like when you say August 8th or you picked the day August 8th, you strategically picked that day for a reason. You knew that on August 8th, 2023, there wasn't anything that was going to get in your way. There wasn't a big AAA release releasing at the same time. You weren't anticipating any big embargoes or drops or anything like that. So the fact that you have to make the tough call to move away from your date just fucks everything up. It, it screws up your launch plans. It screws up your marketing plan. Um, let's say if like you hired a PR agency, like what if that falls out of your contracts window? Like then mm. maybe you can't have the, like you can't afford the extra few weeks to maintain a PR budget to, to really have that support for launch for wide outreach and whatnot. Um, so yeah, it's a tough call, but you sometimes you just have to do it and kind of reassess. Like I know I'm sure Jenny's in the same boat. Like we've seen plenty of delays on the back end, and it's never a fun conversation to have, but It's always a brutally honest conversation to have. And um, yeah, it's just moral of the story. Game dev is real hard, especially for an indie team that doesn't have AAA budgets and can't can't afford big support. Like I'll take Graham, for example, again, like I'm sure if Graham wanted to hire a porting house, he would. But especially as a a dad of two and, and just like working from home and trying to juggle a relatively newborn and, and, uh, two-year-old sorry graham uh, <laughs> yeah it's rough but you gotta do what you gotta do sometimes because you can't drive yourself crazy just to put out a video game and mm-hmm. god forbid that game like does launch with a bug or or some balancing issues or whatever like one minor thing is wrong that will hopefully get fixed um people will tear you apart unfortunately this the the general audience is very brutal you will get review bombs you will people will misunderstand the game like i'll i'll give some more insight with super space club a little bit um i think because we said something on the steam page about like embark on a journey like the amount of times we said like arcade 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 it's an arcade experience i think one person took the line embark on a journey too literally so like they were like oh there there's nothing to do in this game it's just you shoot spaceships and restart it's ridiculous blah 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 and review bombed it and all this kind of stuff and it's like y'all it's hard <laughs> i'm sorry i guess but like yeah there's just a lot that goes into delays and and development in general so yeah mm-hmm. do we i mean obviously there are always 
that toxic element of people who are going to say terrible things and willfully misunderstand things and be upset that the game isn't what they expected, even though those expectations may not be grounded. Um, In general, it seems to me that it is becoming more and more mainstream to be happy that delays happen or at the very least supportive. Mm -hmm. I mean, Jenny, you were talking about that a little bit. Do you want to dive into that? Yeah, I think um, it's like a yes and no, (laughs) because I think in really specific spaces, especially with indies, um, especially with double A's, we are seeing communities being fostered and like trained is not a good word, but like people are looking at these community guidelines, participating in these spaces and understanding like, Hey, games are hard to make. And we can understand that. And when games are delayed, it is not because we hate players. It's because we are trying to make something better for you. Um, it's the opposite because <laughs> <laughs> right. we love you. Yeah. And I think in, in, especially in spaces like Devolver and a lot of the communities I've worked with, um, there is a really positive trend towards take your time. And what's been really cool is I've seen, because a lot of my work right now is with influencers and and content creators, a lot of content creators and influencers are doing that like legwork and saying, Hey, you know, cause a lot of them feature games and release dates and they say, Hey, this has been delayed, but that's okay. Cause they're making a better like opportunity to like make the game stronger. That's great. I, I think it would be remiss if we didn't take a look at the other side where there are communities that are still very, very toxic and not in that indie or double A space where I feel like delays get mentioned. And instead of just like general toxicity, I feel like I have friends that have gotten death threats on the regular because of game delays. And so it feels like we've been seeing extremes, like there has been a widening of this gap of behavior and we either see like very positive or like truly terrifying stuff from people out there. Yeah, 100%. Janet, as our content creator extraordinaire, well, how, how do you uh, encounter this sort of dichotomy? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I echo a lot of what's been said where I think the social norm is that it's acceptable and also good to be like, work's not everything. People have lives. People need to figure stuff out. And also just, I think, gaining a more general understanding of the fact that this happens often because it's hard to time things also. Like I always think about, the thing I always talk about when I like cover delays is it's hard to like anticipate when you're going to be done with something. And also not, you can't just give yourself infinite leeway. Like I'll know I'll be done in a year because it only takes three months. It's like, well, you can't just like sit on a done project and just like do nothing and, and still live and make money and be able to market. Like it'd be cool if you could, like people always on the fan side of things talk about like, why can't we do, you know, why can't you just tell me about it when you know you can deliver? And they're like, they thought they did. <laughs> like, you know, I think about that with my own work too. And I, I implore people to consider it from that perspective. Like, you know, I do like the Pomodoro technique to work where it's like 25 minutes on five minute break. You do for four cycles, you take a 15, whatever. And so many, almost all the, everything I do, I'm like, it'll take me this long to like get through my emails or this long to do the thumbnail. And it's almost always longer. And I'm like, now imagine if I had like, when I'd be done plastered everywhere. And then I had to tell everybody like, by the way, which also I do that all the time too, as a content creator, like I delay content all the time. I move stuff around all the time. And it's always because I have to, usually not because I just want to. I'm like, I'd love to do this thing, but I have like 
you know, a, a life conflict or I'm too exhausted. And if I do it, it's going to be bad. And then like, then y'all are going to be like, why are you dying live on twitch.tv? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I probably shouldn't. Um, I do think from the fan perspective, like we can all kind of acknowledge that like, it's toxic to, you know, harass developers over this or to give the death threats or to, you know, bitch and moan for lack of a better term. But it does still happen to Jenny's point. Like I was trying to Google off to the side and I can't quite find it. But I think about Dying Light 2's like weird, you know, talking about tone delivering things. They have that video. Mm. Kotaku wrote about it um, where they were kind of talking about where they were in development. And that game experienced quite a bit of delays. And they sort of joked about like, the some of the negative comments that they received but they kind of like joked in a way that was like a little too real where it's like man what's going on behind the scenes and like it was an interesting spot because it was like a little too real to be lighthearted. so the vibe of the video was weird but at the same time like that's also sort of their genuine experience too right but like we don't share that as much because it's not cute and charming and nice to hear it's it's scary and it kind of creates the the vibe of like is everything okay at the studio? And, you know, it kind of opened all these other questions for them. But I do think that was a genuine, like, look into the experience. You know, maybe it's not one that they should have put out in the way that they put it out because it <laughs> mm-hmm. the vibes of the video are really weird. But, like, that happens <laughs> all the time, forever. And unfortunately, that's kind of always going to be the case. Like, there's always going to be a sector of people that are toxic and hateful. And the thing they love more than anything is to be hateful. Um... I can only hope that as time goes on, we create more environments that stamp out that that kind of talk or discussions as socially unacceptable to the point where maybe we can just shame these people into silence. Like, I don't know. That's kind of <laughs> a mean way to look at it. But as much as I don't want everyone on the internet to, you know, pick up their torches and like fight against negativity because that's, that's its own burden. Um, I'd be lying if I didn't say that I was sometimes comforted seeing other people in either content communities that I'm in, um, fan of like a franchise communities, sort of talk back to that negativity. Like, no, you're an idiot. This doesn't make any sense. You need to relax, do something and kind of really set the tone of like, hey, it's not socially acceptable to have this attitude and project it so aggressively towards people. Like I always tell people like you can, you know, be a little salty that a game gets delayed, be upset that a game isn't as good as you want to be. And that's fine and fair. And you're entitled to that opinion. You just don't need to like shove that in the person who made the thing's face. Like, you know, like I talk critically about stuff all the time, but I'm not gonna, there's talking critically on a platform or a space. And then there's like, at person, I hate you. (laughs) You ruined my day. It's like, okay, these are two very different things. And we need to learn how to hold space for one and remove space for the other one, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that speaks to an issue of transparency and how transparent is it's good transparency and how much uh like we talked about Haunted Chocolatier last week as being pretty unanimously on our imaginary Switch 2 line launch lineup. Uh the developer um Eric Barone is sort of well known for being very quiet about what he's working on he does when he tends to put things out they they blow up even like the smallest things and he's been pretty good about saying like hey i will i'll let you know when there's something to know and before that you don't need to know uh whereas there are other companies that are huge into i'm gonna take you step by step or uh 
let you know when it's even just like a thought that's in my head and go, you know, so that that whole process happens. But then that process does feel very long because people who typically wouldn't know a game was ready to go until like a year or six months before release now know years and years ahead of time. And there then there are people who are upset that they're excited for something and they they want something to be real and they're just not getting talked to by the developers. So where is there like a, a way through that minefield? Is there a transparency level where people are going to be happy? Is there a one size fits all or what do we think about that? Um, really quick, I, I did find the article, so I do want to kind of backtrack oh, and just add, add the context. This is Ethan Gatch over Kotaku. Um, Kotaku does add a little bit of editorialization to their stuff, so I will read it with the editorialization, but obviously, like, parts of it are editorialized, right? Um, so I'll just jump into part of the article and just read a small snippet of it. But it talks about this three-minute video that Techland put out, um, which various Techland developers read expletive-filled comments from fans demanding the release of the game, or at least proof that it still exists. F this BS. I'm censoring it for y'all. That's It has the swears in it. Release Dying Light 2 or give an effing demo, goddammit, reads one of the message. Then the second half of the video begins with one of the developers calmly and earnestly stating, okay, everyone, we got the message. We understand you're curious about the game because you want Dying Light 2 to be as good as you have imagined. The, the developers then go on to explain that Dying Light 2 is a big and complex game, the type that's hard to make, etc., etc. The second half of the video is defensive, bordering on apologetic, seemingly in an attempt to placate the upcoming game's most energized and also virulent fans. $5 word, Ethan. I don't know what that means, but we're going to continue. <laughs> uh, quote, all of us are here are putting our hearts into de delivering a game that you will keep playing for months. One developer says, as if filming a hostage video, quote, we are proud to ha of having such devoted fans as you, no matter how you express your feelings. Timon Schmuktala, the, the game's lead designer, says, nearing the end, completing the sick loop of video game marketing codependency. And again, obviously parts of those are editorialized with Gatch's kind of opinion towards it, but I do lightly agree with that editorialization of the vibe of that video kind of having that, okay, well, I hear you, I hear you. And it's, I don't know, it's such a tough, to bring back to your question of like moving the conversation forward, like it's such a tough spot where they feel like they have kept people in the loop, but for some people that's not enough. Like I remember, you know, again, this is a triple A example, but they had so many like mini directs about their game, but like there is a sector that is never going to quite be happy. And it's like, how do you deal with that in a way that's going to move the team and the marketing forward positively while maybe not going too off in the other direction. Like, I don't know, but this is sort of like a, a, a test case of that kind of coming to light in a really dark way, but trying to like work with the darkness. I don't know. There's not really an in, a lot of indie examples like this other than, um, you know, we talked about freaking, was it not, what is it? The Ooblets, you know, is kind of the closest oh, yeah. thing I can think of in recent history, but yeah, I was I'm really, really hoping sure. you were going to do charades and like, you know, mushrooms, <laughs> dancing. I, I just I kept thinking Maneku's Night Market. I'm like, that's not it. But like the vibes are, are similar. But yeah. Yeah. Um, virulent, according to the Oxford Dictionary, is extremely severe or harmful in its effects when mm. talking about disease or poison okay. or bitterly hostile. As in, his involvement with the temperance movement led to his virulent attack on the drink trade. All right. Everyone go use that word now. 
I'm gonna forget it right <laughs> don't, don't be it though also <laughs> yeah yeah stay away from it but use the word uh mike what do you think about transparency i think it's a double-edged sword i mean look at hollow knight for example yeah. song. i know the game that shouldn't be mentioned or one of the games that shouldn't be mentioned um anytime they say something and they try to be transparent i mean what was the last kind of thing was earlier in the summer when they were like yeah don't expect us during the big Keeley festival. Um, we're not ready yet. Sorry. We'll see you soon. Uh, you know, that's kind of like half transparent, half not transparent. I think it's a fantastic call to say like, Hey, we're not here this summer. Cause would you else. say it's translucent? It's yeah. Very translucent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the, the virulent response was, uh, was that the word? I don't know. Yeah. 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 That was it. I fucking nailed it. Um, <laughs> It was like comically expected and that's such a bummer for a developer that's trying to like be honest and just keep people in the loop because God forbid they didn't do that. And like, I'm sure somehow like the people would expect it to show up at like wholesome or glitch or like any of these other shows that Holiday probably wouldn't show up at. Um, and even on like the, the, or maybe like the Xbox extended showcase or the Nintendo direct and like that chat would just be like, who gives a shit about avowed where the hell is hollow Knight And um, it's wild that an indie has that much power nowadays. Um, but yeah, no, I, I personally am all about transparency. I think if you start your messaging with transparency, I think, uh, another game we talked about last week was Earthblade. Um, mm-hmm. extremely okay games has been pretty open about the development process. Like they're being a little cheeky by like covering like whiteboards and stuff. Um, but I think that's a, a, a good way to go about it. We're like sh- straight from the get go. Like this is what this development process is going to be like. So you are with us every step of the way. You have an idea of where we're at in the development process. So you kind of know to not expect this game anytime soon. I think that's probably a good way to go about it as well. Uh, that being said, I think Extremely OK Games has garnered a really lovely community around that. Uh, their kind of creative energy. Um so yeah, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer, but yeah, it's it's a double-edged sword because you never know how people are going to react. Um, but like as Jenny was saying earlier, thankfully, for like 99% of the indie community and people who are really like into the space and passionate about the scene are all super understanding and lovely. And like, yeah, to double down on the influencer side of things, like again, like 99% of the influencers, at least the folks that like, I'm sure myself and Jenny deal with are all lovely human beings that like help us amplify that message and amplify positivity around the scene. Um, so yeah. Um, really quick. I'm curious to know, like, especially from like you, Mike and you, Jenny, cause you have more of that, like behind the scenes role or you've had experiences there with something like Hollow Knight Silk Song. Like, is it kind of like, you just got to take sort of like that double-edged sword, like the good with the bad. Like it's not, what are you going to say? Stop asking for our game. Like that's kind of the point. Like, I guess can, can that virality, come back to bite you at a certain point? Or do you think it's not going to matter because at the end of the day, hey, the game's going to come out and it, you know, it'll probably be good. So like, who's who cares if there's so much hype, it's a little bit aggressive or can like the hype get too high? Like, does it really end up mattering at that point? Yeah, I would say like, if I was hypothetically working on that game, which I'm not, uh, <laughs> if I was hypothetically working on that game and I'm assuming it's going to be good, like I, I've, I'm confident in the the release. The developers are confident. It's just all noise leading up to release and to like our big re- reveal date. Um, Cause yeah, once that game launches and it gets into people's hands and gets into media's hands for, and reviews start dropping, the noise doesn't matter anymore. Like the, those 
however many years just disappears. Um, so yeah, I mean, like honestly, like the Wary Silk Song chatter throughout every single Twitch and YouTube chat is kind of free marketing. Like it's it's gonna benefit them at the end. Like sure, I'm sure like folks are getting sick of it, especially Team Cherry. But at the end of the day, it just keeps Hollow Knight in the conversation. So I would be super thrilled uh, <laughs> every time I see somebody going crazy over Hollow Knight in chats just to keep it going, especially in a year where we have so many heavy hitters dropping and indies are getting swallowed like each and every week by something like Baldur's Gate or, or Liza P or Spider-Man and so on and so forth. A lot of us have sort of pointed out how the indie space sort of diverges from the AAA space in this particular delays being good or being supportive of delays uh, situations. Do we think that early access has some involvement in that? Because you don't usually get a AAA in an early access situation. It is sort of the domain of indies. So people do get, if they want to jump in early, uh, they get to do that. Or if they, but then they know that the game is still going on. And there are those people who are getting their like constant updates if they're interested in that. And then the people who can step away. I do know just to, contradict myself immediately um that there are definitely games indie games that have been in early access that have had like horrible reactions because during early access you change things so one of the best examples that i can think of this is darkest dungeon uh from red hook studios and i've talked to the um co-founders about that particular issue i believe they introduced um corpses and that was a huge shame yeah, that was a huge thing for them. So do we think early access has something to do with the the bringing in the community, making them feel like it's a part of it, and sort of quieting those concerns? As and long as it's not just marketing talk and you're being authentic about it? Like, yeah. you, there's a way to treat early access well and how to mistreat it? I would say kind of going also back to that question of whether or not like full transparency versus, you know, no transparency. And if, if there's a right answer, is there a best answer? I would say it really depends on the game itself because some games are better equipped for an early access period where, you know, whether it's a combination of the game that they're making specifically and the genre is just a good fit for that. The dev team is willing to be open with that communication. That's a great fit. They're able to work with the community and build that relationship. Um, that's not for every team though. And that's not for every game. And so I think it really does depend on, um, what the team is willing to do and kind of what Mike was saying is set up a foundation and be consistent with that foundation. If you're consistently transparent with your community and then things change, that's when the trust starts to waver. Um, and conversely, if you say nothing, but then all of a sudden you're posting a bunch of random little updates, it's kind of like a what's happening, you know? And I think there's an element of consistency that audiences probably look for, or at least I know I look for when I'm tracking and seeing what devs are up to. Um, I, I think, uh, yeah, I think it's just a matter of deciding and 
knowing what is the best voice. And it kind of goes back to like a different soapbox that I have about community development and how like one of the greatest investments a studio can make if they're able to is finding someone dedicated to fostering community because that is the way you can control a lot of that messaging and really help foster the type of community that you want around not just your title, but your studio as well. Yeah. Anybody else want to throw in on the topic before we move on to games we've been playing? I want to just give a quick shout out to Thronefall. I think Thronefall is doing mm. early access correctly. Uh, they're super transparent. They even in their game, like as soon as you boot up the game, there's like a nice little lovely designed little paragraph about like explaining what early access is and what the intention mm. is moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and even on their Steam blog, they're, they're doing pretty good. I think another great example um, was Spin Rhythm XD, which just launched into 1.0 earlier this year in March. Um, their early access period was very, it was a pretty decent early access period in terms of like length, but like they were constantly listening to feedback. They were constantly posting on the Steam blog. They still are. They have a very active um, Discord community and they are just like, again, going back to that transparency, super transparent, super commutative, super uh, respectful of the audience. And, um, even beyond uh, the 1.0 release, they're still keeping that up. Um, also, everybody go play Spin Rhythm. It's one of the best games of the year, and nobody's talking about it. <laughs> you heard you, it here. If you miss Guitar Hero, play Spin Rhythm. <laughs> I will say I have one thing. Just it's just kind of randomly popped into my head because um, we talked. We've mostly been talking about like a lot of the positives for having delays. Um, and I think overall it is a net positive, but I think from the studio, like back end side of things, it is, um, maybe for more any, for any like developers or studios, publishers listening to this, if any, if any do, um, I'm sure they all are Jenny. <laughs> yeah. I think one of the things is, um, that if you do have delays, I think it's super important for studios to also reflect why those delays are happening. Like, is this a matter of feature creep? Are people leaving your studio consistently and you're constantly having to reset and like restart development in a lot of ways? And so I think from the studio side of things, um, thinking about like, yes, there are very legitimate reasons for delays to happen. um, But if you're a leader at a studio and it's like a lot of mental burnout or, you know, production is super far off track, it's really important to reflect on why that's happening. Um, Because I think we, I don't know, as an industry, we also know there are a lot of issues that happen and delays sometimes can be prevented with the right leadership and the right like foundation. And so I think that's just one thing that popped into my head that we didn't talk about, but I wanted to like just put out into the world for thoughts and reflections. (laughs) I don't know. There's also the money aspect. Like sometimes you have to put a game out if to to yeah. make a yeah. sale and just to keep yourself afloat. And like, yeah, there's that whole like balance. Also, it's like, okay, do I want to put something out something out that's I know isn't ready, or do I want to grab lunch tomorrow? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. It's, it's I mean, tr- it's tough. People don't want to think about uh, video games, but indies very specifically as a practical business financial matter uh because i think a lot of people see indies as as the art if there is art in video games the indies are the art um and artists should be starving and desperate and only in it for the the correct reasons um and yeah that that makes for a terrible uh environment to be in because if you have to put a game out or lose your house 
Like, I don't think anybody would choose to keep to their art, you know? Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's its own topic, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'll think about that later. Who knows? Just to give some flowers really quick, just like, that's why like some of the work that Jen does is so important or like uh glitch with the galaxy fund, or even just like a lot of, that's why a lot of indies are like begging, like to not put this so like desperate or whatever. That's why some indies on like Twitter and whatnot are begging for some exposure. Like when it comes to like publishers and whatnot, because they just need it. Like, sure. I'm sure like everybody wants to self publish and whatnot, but you got to have the funding. Cause yeah, God forbid you lose your house, you miss a car payment. You, you can't really grab groceries. Like it's, it's tough. Like, sure. We all love it for the art. We we're all, we're all pretentious in this room. We like to be artsy. <laughs> Pinky's up. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, homie's got to eat. See, and if we were sponsored by HelloFresh, that's where the ad could be in. Yeah. I'm just oh saying, HelloFresh. Oh Hello <laughs> yeah. HelloFresh, you want to hit me <laughs> up, you know? Or yeah, you know the how, not one. You know how one. I keep up the energy for uh, all this positivity? Celsius. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's the Celsius too. Okay, when you were talking about Celsius before, like before we started recording, I'm like, are you talking about temperature? Like, why are you writing Celsius so often? <laughs> Look at my garbage can. I wow. try, I'd rather not. There we go. <laughs> For any I don't know if I've ever been excited to t- indulge anyone in that offering. Listen, you're not on GameStop dumpster diving TikTok. You need to get on to GameStop mm. dumpster diving TikTok. See, now that you said it, even though I have headphones on, I know my phone heard you say that. And it will be on my For You Perfect. page tonight. <laughs> SpongeBob fish. People yeah, yeah. breaking news. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, I'm glad we could use that as a segue into what we're playing this week. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Uh, I absolutely want to turn it over to Jenny first because her first uh, game here is a game I've also played. Um, I finished. It seems like Jenny is is only just in the beginning. So, Jenny, yes. so far, how are you feeling about Stray Gods? Oh, man. Okay. Stray Gods. I, I am very early on, like maybe 45 minutes, an hour in. So, like, the plot has really just started thickening. Um <laughs> I will preface, I am a musical kid. I lo- I am that nerd. I was a musical theater kid. I sing musicals all the time. It's my kryptonite. I don't know what to say. Um, I also love the Greek gods and pantheon and mythology and all of that stuff. I think I've been so far kind of, I think it hasn't ramped up enough for me to really be truly, truly hooked, but I'm really wanting to be there. Um, I think the music so far has been enjoyable. Um, I think there's certain like choice decisions. Like we've like at the beginning, you pick kind of one of three characteristics and I'm not quite sure how it ties into the songs necessarily. Cause it seems like I can pick anything in the songs. So I feel like I maybe haven't unlocked something or I'm not far enough. Um, but so far I'm like, this is a pretty decent start. I'm hoping that it like expands. I'm really excited to just hear the soundtrack um, and just see what happens. But right now it is just kind of like, I don't know, tepid seems a little bit less than what I feel, but it's like just above. It's like lukewarm. (laughs) Right. I'll jump in there and answer your question for Mm -hmm. the trait. I think this only really comes up during dialogue. I don't know how often it actually happens mm, during okay. the songs, but you will get occasionally a a dialogue option you would not get otherwise that gotcha. corresponds to that trait. Um, so 
I am very glad that you didn't like overjoyingly love it, even though <laughs> great game. I also huge uh, Greek and Roman mythology fan. I have a degree essentially in ancient Rome. Um, so I love whenever I get a modern interpretation and the interpretation and these characters are fantastic. They have put such level of detail. If you check it out, I have my review up on the site and I nerd into a very specific detail in the game. Um, no spoilers, but absolutely loved all of their interpretations. I'm not a huge, um, musical person. When people start bursting into song for no reason, I go, oh. Um, what if it's Disney now? Oh, so many people. Mike, what'd you say? I said, what are you so afraid of? (laughs) So many things, Mike. Spiders, number one. Spiders are big and distinct. Yeah, those terrifying. Janet. I said, uh, what if it's Disney? Which is kind of the same thing as what Mike said. See, but like, (laughs) I was really not a musical person until I like ran into Hamilton, which everyone loved and rightfully so. Um, I guess for me, it's just like, randomly breaking out into song for what seems to be no reason um this game actually combats that really nicely because there is a in-game reason that people start singing it has a lot to do with the main character for reasons spoilers i'm not going to get into suddenly has the control of the powers of the last muse so she has taken on the powers of a muse and some of that involves compelling people to sing (laughs) which is fantastic and it is a great lead into the murder mystery that is happening in this game Mm. and the murder mystery for me is the reason to play this game i am not a huge fan like even uh like separating out the fan the fact that i'm not a huge musical fan i am not a huge fan of the music there is no musical number that gets stuck in my head there's no like oh this is my jam that's gonna get i'm gonna be singing that to myself you know none of that ever happens i think a lot of that has to do with the fact that there's a ton of choice and uh dialogue options and that happens even when you are singing um so what you decide changes what other people are going to be singing and and you the song can change so many different times that i can only imagine how monstrous it must have been to try to write not only dialogue but like melody and lyric that allows for that sort of change and for me it changes in a way that's just not pleasing sometimes it is very abrupt sometimes um some weird for me on a game that's very much about its uh sound and musicality uh some of the singing performances are weak some of the mixing mm. is weirdly like high and low. That's disappointing. Um, mm. But absolutely gorgeous. I love what they do with all the mythology. And I really enjoy how you are approaching the murder mystery aspect. Even if the story itself is not that surprising. Uh, I don't know, Jenny... When you started playing, did you peg anyone in particular? Don't say it, but did you peg anyone in particular? <laughs> so serious. <laughs> so intense. Jeez. Like, don't say it, I swear. Um, Get a light to like. Now you want to say it even more, Where though, don't you, you? Be I'm honest. Like, I, can I just point out? I won't out, say it, but I. With, no. With no context. Uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's a rough sentence. What? <laughs> did you peg? Did you Mike. peg anyone in particular? Um, yeah. 
I I did. <laughs> New merch just dropped. <laughs> I, just, I did. <laughs> I did. Um, but I won't say who. Uh, I, I actually have a question for you because I'm not far yep. enough, I think, to know. But do you feel like, because what I'm not sure of is do these decisions lead to like significantly impactful feeling changes in the game? Like if you have all of these choices and all of these avenues your songs can take, do you feel like you're getting an experience that feels very aligned to like this specific way that you're playing or does it feel a little bit more generic or not as impactful? So I would need to watch someone else's playthrough or play through it again to be a hundred percent sure. But I feel that I failed quote unquote a song and still got to where we were going to go, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so there is no, to my mind, again, I'd have to double, triple check this. Um, even if you don't necessarily get things the way you wanted them to go, like you, maybe you won't make a friend or maybe narrative options won't be available, available for you in the future. But I feel like the, the story still goes wherever it's going. Mm-hmm. So, I don't think that there is like revolutionary change if you go one route versus another. Like if you choose one trait, I believe one of the traits is just being like kick ass or something. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And the one I chose was being clever or thinking or something. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think that your character really changes, but I tried to stick with my character. So within the role playing, it's a lot up to the player how how their experience goes um but yeah it's a game worth playing it is a totally unique experience i will give it that that i've never encountered a game that was i mean and this is a musical there is no getting around what this is so i love it for that and i love that it is blazing that trail Mm -hmm. i love looking at it i love nerding out about all of the mythology stuff um I, all the characters, like I, I didn't meet a single character. I was like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to deal with you anymore. Like, literally, I met a character. I'm, I'm, I don't think you're there, Jenny, who is a kind of obscure god in in the pantheon. That I'm like, oh my god, they included this person, and she's great. I love it. <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm I'm really I am excited to play more. Um I'm I'm curious to especially come back next week cuz I'll probably finish it tonight, I would imagine. Um I'm just going to like barrel through it and try and get it get it finished before before it officially launches. But as a musical theater kid, like self-proclaimed lover of musicals, like how I feel compared to someone who maybe like you doesn't really consider themselves a musical person. Um, I just looked it up because I remembered seeing it and I wanted to make sure the soundtrack, they have four different albums for the soundtrack, one yeah. to represent each trait and then the Pantheon edition, um, which I'm, I'm excited to listen to once I've done playing the game at just the one time. I don't think I'll play it all three times to be very honest. If, uh, anyone at I am 8-bit is listening, you know what to do. <laughs> Please. Right. Yeah. They're probably already doing it. God, I hope so. It's going to be so much money. Janet, Hi. I see you have a lot of familiar names on this list. Do you want to talk about what you've been playing? Yeah. Um, and what I haven't been playing, which is Goobies. Uh, spoilers for the list. Goobies is not on there, but I didn't <laughs> buy it. I have the intent. Um, yeah. Janet, same question as Jill. What are you so afraid of? 
I think I'm <laughs> afraid in this context. I don't know. I'm afraid I won't have time to like really spend. (laughs) Let's stick to let's let's narrow the scope. You know, it's one episode. We got a lot of ground left to cover. I think I'm I haven't launched it because I'm like worried that I won't be able to like figure it like if with the time I have, like, can I taste like what's can I taste test this in a way that's meaningful? You know, and I'm like putting it up on a pedestal of like, I want to be able to really like dig into this. But then like Mm. by doing that, I'm stopping myself from playing it. So yeah. don't be like me and actually play your games. Um, yeah. Anyway, Perfect here are some games. Like- of good. This, this is the dark pedestal <laughs> we talked about during episode one. Exactly. Yeah. That No, it really is where it's like you spend so much time like wanting to get ready with the time you spent mentally preparing. You could have just played the game. Yeah. Yeah. Am I going to learn anything from that statement? Absolutely not. But here's what <laughs> I've been playing. Here's what I did. wasn't too afraid to launch. Um, so I hit up the sale that we had talked about look it was last week right that we went mm-hmm. through all that mm-hmm. um and i like bought a lot of stuff there i think the the steam purchase notifications have been rolling in and i don't know how <laughs> i'm going to keep up with it uh finally actually i'm like really digging into my steam deck now too so that's that's been a lot oh, of fun yeah. uh so what i'm playing there the familiar titles are penko park uh on uh, mike's recommendation so i have i can play games you tell me to play just not all at once um we already talked about this game so i'll keep it short you know it's Pokemon Snap, but they're little little ghost creatures. Um, it's cute. I like it. It's a good flow. It's simple. Stuff opens up over time. I'm enjoying it so far. Um, the other familiar one is Tiny Lands, which I already knew I would love. It had been on my list for a long time. Again, it's a spot the difference game. Um, it's very cute and like calming. Like they really emphasize the music and the sound design in it. It's one of those like headphones recommended. And I'm like, uh, maybe not, but I, I, you know, I'll think about it. I'll think of, I tossed on one pair once just to see what the vibes were. And yeah, it's really cute, really relaxing. It looks like there's a lot of content too. So that's one that I'm trying to periodically just like tune into chip away, like do, you know, a frame here and there until it's done. Um, other titles, uh, Froggy's battle was a big one for me this past week. I love this game. It is incredible. (laughs) Um, this is one that I just, Again, I was going through what was out, and I'm like, okay, this seems cool. It's it's $1.99. So, again, buy it and don't play it if you want to. That's also mm-hmm. fair. Uh, but you'll have a great time if you do play it. It is an action roguelike game, which normally I'm not a big action roguelike person just because I find those games to be fairly challenging and kind of long in the tooth a lot of times in a way where it's like, I don't want to get better. I just want to be good enough as I am. Like, I don't want to be challenged. <laughs> I want to be done. Um, I think Froggy's Same. Battle does a good job um, with it being generally not too hard and it being like a small enough scope that it feels a lot more approachable. And that's kind of how I personally like my difficulty. That's why I can play Super Meat Boy and Celeste. It's like, hey, be good for one frame and then you just have another one. Short bursts of skill is where I thrive. And I think Froggy's battle really caters to that. You can beat the entire game in like a couple minutes. Um, but you'll end up like I played for like three hours total, which I'm not going to lie. Part of that was like, I forgot I could go in the other direction things like that. So the, to, to <laughs> paint a picture, it, the game takes place in a circle. You're skateboarding in a circle. Uh, in that way, it is kind of reminiscent of, um, Gosh, what's that pinball game we were talking about, Jill? Yoku's Island. Yes. Yoku's Island Yoku's Express. Express. Yeah, like the boss yeah. battles of those, it kind of catches some of those mm-hmm. vibes because of the circular nature. And it's simple, you know, you have different, you do a round, you hit enemies, you can hit them by running into them. Eventually you get things like little weapons or 
magic attacks that can like shoot lightning at a random enemy and you'll get these different um power-ups to choose from each time you finish a round and there'll be things like it could be a new weapon it could be just a stat buff it could be a combination of the two um one of those pickups is health periodically so that kind of helps make it so that i think there's a lot of roads to success like my end build ended up being very like buffed like i had two shields i had a lot of hearts built up because i i know that i choke under pressure so i'm like i need the space to fail to really get through this <laughs> and genuinely it's just so fun i had a great time playing it the time just kind of flies off the wall when you're going through it at least it did for me i think the art is really charming it is a yeah. super small team like i hit the credits and it was like what a, a a freaking one jpeg of like three names or something i'm like all right y'all did that thing um one thing that i want to shout out too is i forget the name of the person that put together the sound design aspects of it. But one thing that impressed me was they used just the sound library for all their sound design, which for those who don't know, it just means that like there is like fair use, free to use, you know, game assets, sound libraries, a lot of resources out there. The reason I'm impressed by it though, is because I think they did a really good job picking the sounds out, curating the levels, how like combat feels so good in this game because of the in part because of the sound design, the way things hit and the clarity of the the telegraphing and the attacks. And I just think that's really cool because I think a lot of times you might be like limited on resources when you're a smaller team, but that doesn't mean that there isn't still a lot of skill involved in using kind of free assets or things just available to you or ways to make something that's really impressive. Because again, I don't, I'm not a developer, so I don't have that sound bank memorized. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, two quick shout outs. Um, Shout out to frogs. Frogs are coming back in a big frogs way. Frogs are great. It's, it's mm-hmm. big frog mm-hmm. here. Do like Frog coming out next year. Frogs Adventure just launched. Yeah. Ollie Frog. Holy hell. Frogs are crazy. Frog. Um, and just if any devs are listening and like <laughs> ears are perked up uh, when Janet talked about uh, just free sound libraries and whatnot. Uh, freesounds.org is a great resource just to like, it's a massive library of just like community driven um, or community, I guess, uploaded sounds. Um, I Back in my audio engineering days and sound design days, I used to use that a lot there's a lot you can do so freesound.org free uh to sign up download whatever you want it's a great resource yeah. little known fact run by frogs run by frogs yeah yeah, yeah there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of like little cute things too um like they have like a little like little messages that pop it's just an it's it's a really really freaking well-made game that is fairly simple but done really well like genuinely this is one of my favorite games that i've played this year and it's not like I don't know. You look at it and it's not like it's blowing your mind necessarily, but when you play it, you start to realize how good of a job they did at every facet of it. Again, the design, the sound, the impact, the telegraphing, the simplicity, the abilities, the like, it's really knocked it out of the park. Like I'm just genuinely so impressed by it. And again, 199, like it's, it's kind of a must play. And it's the game that like I was talking about a lot in my apartment where I had like Isaiah play it. And I'm like, I think, you know, I think it's, arcadey enough that i really think anyone can enjoy this game so i definitely encourage pretty much everyone to check it out um See, another Janet, one that, that's the problem is i i now have to play this game oh yeah and like that, too that, many games I have but to the play. beauty of it is you really can just dip into it like if you have honestly you need l- less than five minutes you'll like know exactly what this game is pretty much right. like you'll see more of the levels if you play a little bit longer but it does not take long to know whether or not you like it either so i think it's a great like hey See if it's if it's something you click with. And if it is, you could be done pretty quickly if you're better at it than I was. <laughs> I took a mm-hmm. while, but um, I enjoyed my whole time with it. Um, Speaking of games that are 
simple, well-made, but also must-plays of the year. Jenny, I hear you finished a game. Yeah, Dave the Diver. I've been working on it. Points in time. Finished it. There was so much game in that game, (laughs) y'all. Like to the end, there was still like mechanics being thrown out where it was like, hey, you want to learn how to like do this additional thing? Oh, we're going to change up the boss battles here. Um, It was really fun. Like, I think for me, frankly, like I would. I went into it wanting a little bit more from the story. I realized my mistake. I don't think that's the way people should go into this game. It is definitely one where you can just let your mind go. It feels really good to play. It's silly. It's weird. Um, I do highly recommend it. This is definitely the year of the fishing game for me between like this and Dredge. Um, I'm sure there's others that will come up. Um, But yeah, I really liked it. So I I would definitely recommend there's more stuff. I'm still wanting to uh, basically 100% sort of the catalog that you have in game because you can basically do this encyclopedia of collecting all the fish. And Uh, what what does the fish encyclopedia look like, Jenny? Uh, a Pokedex. Like, it's a straight up Pokedex. It's literally Pokemon trading cards. Yeah, like form. you have these Pokemon trading trading cards. Like there are these characters that are just spoofs on a lot of like tropes in games and anime. And like the guy who comes in to like basically ask for these rare, like I forget Fishmon cards. I think is what he calls them. <laughs> um, but he basically looks like a middle aged. Ash Ketchum. Yes. Like, maybe gone fantastic. downhill a little bit. So <laughs> that's great. Yeah. If you are interested in a in story, if you want to go the story heavy route, I finished playing Videoverse uh, yes. recently. It is mm-hmm. fantastic. So, so anybody who is interested in... It is a very much... I think we've spoken a little bit about it uh, on past shows, but it is a sort of Emily is away. But a little more concerned with and interested in the community of gaming and what it is like, especially what it was like for me um, growing up, enjoying a game, recognizing that there's a bigger world, a connected internet uh, involved with it and getting into like little forums. And this is all back in like the early 2000s. So things felt smaller and you could make friends and, and there weren't all you know, it, it was connected, but not like so connected. And you were fin- finally like, oh, there are other people who like me and like this game and and we can all get together. And and there's a lot of that kind of fun community aspect to it. So go ahead and check that out. Um, quick shout outs. I want to shout out UFO Unidentified Falling Objects. <laughs> Basically, it's it's Tetris, but deadly. And I love it. Uh, and then lifeless moon is embargoed for tomorrow so i'm letting everybody know a little bit ahead of time uh but it's a fun weird kind of eerie but not scary adventure where you are in the middle of the space race with the soviet union you are an american astronaut who has landed on the moon and when landing on the moon finds a well an anomaly that teleports them somewhere and then they just run into like a city on the moon and you have to figure out like what's going on there and it's a cool mystery it's a quick game and uh, a lot of fun janet do you have anything you want to shout out for us yeah um i have cats organized neatly it's just a a little like organization game with cats (laughs) like you have like a grid of 
uh, varying degrees. Like, let's say like you have like a four by four grid and then they give you like five cats of different shapes and then you have to see how they fit together. And it's super cute. <laughs> um, it's made there's by a, what? Go ahead. Sorry. I was real quick. There's a, I, I don't know where it was. I think I was at PAX U. There's a physical version of that game. Like not that game <gasps> Ooh, in particular, okay. but like you have to stack the cats. It's just little cat figures. <laughs> oh, they have to stack cute. I Bro, think I know. Everywhere. I think I know what you're talking about. Cause I've seen like, like, uh, I guess you call it tabletop, right? Games where no. you're stacking. There's one that where you stack like books and things. Um, but yeah, it's cute. You know, there's like little, um, it's just like a good quick hit puzzle game. I mean, there's little tiny lore that they write about like this cat's name's Dave and he loves to curl up and he's like shaped like a circle or something. The but deep lore. yeah, I the deep it. lore. I believe the, I hope I'm not misspeaking because my name is my, Moloch. My boyfriend actually like has seen this game before, like through like Reddit dev, like small dev Reddit. And he's like, oh, I think that's like a couple that makes it. It's definitely like a duo. I hope I'm not misspeaking by calling them a couple, but they're working, I think, on another game where it's dogs organized mm-hmm. neatly, um, which like that's very valid because it's it's a really cute, fun game. So if you like little puzzle games like that, that's a good one. And then my last shout out is Songbird Symphony. It is described as a um, musical Metroidvania. Um, and honestly, in one of the like Steam description things, it's like, oh, pixel art to die for, which I think is like a lot of people can say that. But genuinely... It is very cute watching this bird dance. Like, if you look at... That's kind of what sold me. Like, I looked at the video. I saw people fucked with it. I was like, okay, that's good enough for me. Because this bird looks so cute. And I like the... um, I like its take on rhythm so far because it's a little bit more... Feel the beat than, like, hit this input at the same time. Like, they do give you the telegraphing of, like, it's this button. And they show you, like, when to press it. But it reminds me a lot more of um, another indie title called Musical Story, where that one was mm-hmm. very, like, yeah. you can just feel it out instead of just staring at the screen. And I really like my rhythm games that way. I feel like they're just a little bit more fluid and fun to keep count with. So I'm super early in that one. But it looks adorable. It has a simple premise. Um, everything's kind of, it's the kind of game where everyone's kind of bouncing all the time. Like all the little sprites are always moving. Mm-hmm. So it's a cute one. I'm having fun with it. I love it. Jenny, anything else to shout out for us? Um, I, speaking of games in like our backlog that we're kind of just trying to get to, um, I finally started a game called Avoid Rains on Our Heart. Um, it's this really incredible, like, bullet hell game, arcade style bullet hell game with a bit of a narrative twist. I normally do not touch bullet hell games, but so many people are like, this This is worth looking at. Um, and it's about this like alien kind of fairy girl trapped in this cave where it's constantly raining and she's surrounded by these bizarre monsters. And so to get out and escape, she, instead of attacking them, she shoots hearts and love and so she befriends them as she's trying to get out um and basically uh it works almost as like a roguelike as well because you go through this run you can't quite make it you end up going back and i think it's ending up to be sort of an allegory for like exploring what depression and anxiety kind of feels like as you're sort of going through that struggle constantly also sorry i think my neighbor's taking out the trash right now um Really cool because as you defeat each monster and befriend them, you can essentially unlock their cards and unlock abilities that basically make each run a little bit more accessible or customize the way that you like to run your build. Um, I really like it. The music is 
really good. There's this like final boss battle track that is so metal. And I'm just like, <laughs> I need this for my gym workout playlist because it's love it. so good. Um, and it's really surprised me because again, it's one of these genres that I would never really touch, but the way that they've like mer- merged these elements of roguelite bullet hells and narrative have really has really ex- excited me. So that's been fun. Um, I do have a quick little, uh, yeah. oh my God, a trailer just played as I was talking, it scared the <laughs> shit out of me. Um, I believe it's both the gameplay designer and the composer of that game are also on uh, the dev team for Moon Nana, which uh, they're currently developing de- developing Key Locker, oh, which uh, is which another awesome game, killer turn based like cyberpunk game that has rhythm elements to the combat system. It is so goddamn good and like has been like one of my most anticipated games for ever at this point. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, Key Locker, keep an eye on that. Yeah, Keylocker looks like it's going to be great. And they did Virgo Faces the Zodiac, I think. Virgo, yes. Virgo oh, versus yeah, yeah, the Zodiac, yeah. which, which is another really good just one. just got announced for consoles. Oh, yes. Yeah, Serenity so Forge good. is... Uh, Serenity, Serenity Forge lately. Wait, don't yeah. say that now, Mike. We're in the cursed We're in the cursed week. My apologies. <laughs> <laughs> also, I just really love the idea that Jenny is a big metalhead. <laughs> I dabble. <laughs> I actually quite, quite enjoy it. Um, I, I do dabble. Uh, and then two other quick shout outs. Um, the Cosmic's Wheel Sisterhood. I've started mm-hmm. playing it. I think the embargo technically is lifted through like chapter four. So folks can start seeing that early gameplay. Um, but I'm I'm saving full thoughts until I finish. But so far I am I am very much enjoying my time with it. Um, I also started I Am Future, which is launch, has launched in early access. Um, I'm in, I was intrigued because it was pinged as this kind of like cozy survival game. I think for me, as where it stands right now in early access, it's a little bit rough. Um, I think I'm personally going to wait a little bit because I th- there are elements in there that I don't really enjoy. And so I'm hoping that maybe past early access, it will smooth itself out and become a bit more enjoyable for me. But for folks who are interested, it's an early access if you'd like to enjoy that. Yeah. Good luck to the team. Mike, is there anything you want to shout out real fast? Yeah, I've been playing a lot of Premiere Pro by Adobe. Um, going real hard on some stuff. Oh, How's uh, that compared no, to DaVinci Resolve? If you don't, you know, mind me asking. I haven't, I haven't had a chance to play DaVinci Resolve yet. I've heard it's much better though. Have you? Ne- you should. <laughs> you genuinely. I switched over because uh, that one kept crashing on me. But I know the only reason I'm still on Premiere. This is, has nothing to do with the podcast. The only reason I'm still on it is because I, I use Illustrator and Photoshop a lot. So like, uh-huh. all right, uh, pff, yeah, yeah. fucking Adobe. Get my locked into Adobe. I hate yeah. that yeah. you can't just buy it anymore. They're like, what if you gave me eighty dollars for the rest of your life? Like, yeah. Anyway, thankfully, I still have I still have an educational email, so I get the teacher discount. Mm, Nice. Yeah, I had going college. (laughs) I still have a back door with Game Informer on that. No one, no one heard that though. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, Um, But in all seriousness, I forgot that uh, on the plane ride home, um, I did dabble in 30xx because we got uh, early for that. Yeah. Um, Not super far into it at all, but it. It's Mega Man through and through. If you like Mega Man, you will love this game. It feels great. The platforming is great. I am uh, really intrigued. It, it definitely got a hooks in me right away um, as a, a Mega Man lover. Um, so I'm excited to dig into it more. If, yeah, combat feels great. Platforming feels great. Uh, can't wait to find the time to play. Uh, and Thronefall still. Yeah, 100%. That desert level is kicking my ass. Even like without any modifiers or anything, I can't get through it. I believe in you, Mike. You can do it. Yeah. 
I would also like just to quickly shout out uh, Dredge is $18 on Steam currently. Play Dredge. So good. If you if you don't play any other fishing games except Dave the Diver, <laughs> no, no. play Dave the Diver man. and Dredge. Go play them. Uh, but that's the end of this week's council. Thanks to everybody who is here on the panel. Thank you to everybody who came to watch and or listen to our beliefs, thoughts, ideas, insights into delays and how that works in the indie space. I believe that we are, I mean, I know that the, the podcast is on Spotify, but as to where else we are, I'm unsure. So who can fill us in on that? <laughs> <laughs> I can I can help with that. Um, we Jenny, are on Spotify to the rescue. and on Apple Podcast or Apple, Yay. whatever they call it. I almost called it Apple Arcade, but I was like, we are not on Apple Arcade. <laughs> on Apple Arcade. <laughs> um, someday uh, the game version of the show will be available, but that is not today. Uh, but we, yeah, Spotify and Apple. Google, I think we're going to be on Google, but we will we'll save that for next week. I think we're okay. waiting for Google to approve of us. Um, so Can send. I just give a special shout out to us and how we handled the production of this thing and how fucking unhinged it is? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a little behind the scenes. That's fine. Uh, speaking of delays, our, our Google uh, debut will come soon. <laughs> this episode was really just like a sneaky way of getting everyone to just be on our side for delays <laughs> as we are delayed in like yeah, launching exactly. and posting and everything. It's a Nintendo yeah. Switch situation. It's like, look, yeah, yeah. it's dropping at different times at different places. All right. I don't know. <laughs> but when all those things are up, we hope that you will go check us out. Give us good ratings. I guess you can leave voicemails on uh, Apple. So do that if you are interested. Spotify. Be nice. <laughs> Spotify. Uh, <On> Spotify. <laughs> but this session is closed. Go play some indies. <laughs>